0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Strong Docs podcast. I'm your host, Seth Myers, and tonight I'm joined with Dr. Frederick Haney, uh, who is a chiropractor and avid barbell athlete, including powerlifting, weightlifting, and CrossFit. And uh, so he is a co-owner with his wife, Sarah Haney, at Haney Chiropractic and Strength. They also own Lake Charles Powerlifting and CrossFit Lake Charles in Lake Charles, Louisiana, right? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Hannon, go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself, some of your background um, and kind of uh, what you do to stay fit and, and stay active.
1: Uh, awesome. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for uh, having me on your podcast. This is the first one, so I'm sure there'll be uh, many, uh, many mess ups to laugh at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I guess uh, as far as fitness is concerned, I did the normal, you know, football track and field thing in high school. Uh, from there, when I went into undergrad, I did a lot of, uh, I was going to do football then realized it wasn't, uh, conducive to, uh, good grades for undergrad. And, uh, so I figured, you know, I, I'd not, you know, I'd forego being a meathead and try to, uh, you know, worry about my grades. And of course, then now I ended up trying to do both. But, uh, when I went through, uh, undergrad, I was a... Track and field athlete, so I figured I could do that and find enough time to do, you know, things I need to do for my grades. Well, going through track and field, I just sustained a couple lower back injuries that led me into chiropractic. Uh, going through chiropractic school, opportunity to throw, and then uh, my wife, uh, who was she was my fiance at the time, I guess my girlfriend. I met her over there, and then I got her into powerlifting. Which then, when I moved over here and started. As a chiropractor, started working. I didn't have enough time to throw, but I had enough time to lift. So then I morphed over into powerlifting. So I kind of shifted based upon my lifestyle because that's you know what I what I could handle doing. I've always liked competing, and uh, so that's that's just kind of how you know brought me over to uh, where I'm at now. Did you
0: did so? Did you throw in college? I did. I, yeah. uh,
1: I threw at McNeese State University. Uh, I had the school record at one time. Um, it's since been uh, beaten. I was one of the first throwers, uh, hammer throwers for that college. Uh, then I threw post-collegiately for a while. Um, made a lot of really good contacts uh, through throwing, actually, because most of, the, most of your, your throwers who go pretty far, they end up doing a lot of research and end up doing uh, a lot of coaching uh, after they, they quit throwing uh Chad Wesley Smith is a is a real big time guy in the fitness industry and he was a thrower for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh so he, he's he's kind of one of the more prominent ones that's gone from throwing into, you know, fitness industry dealing with, you know, powerlifters, weightlifters and uh even, you know, general population just health and wellness.
0: Yeah, so um ha- I guess my curiosity is powerlifting Um, especially what was that? Uh, You said five or more years ago? Yeah, yes. So talk about your transition from power, and I guess maybe for some people who are listening who don't uh, know the difference between powerlifting and weightlifting. So powerlifting is the uh, squat, bench, and deadlift. Yes. Weightlifting is what you'd see in the Olympics, the snatch and the clean and jerk. Um, so different lifts but a lot of people will kind of get those things confused so when did you transition from doing uh, I don't I wouldn't say less because you still do a lot of powerlifting but uh, maybe some more weightlifting
1: so originally uh, I was just throwing and then doing powerlifting as something uh, to do with my wife Uh, it was very fun uh, and and I I still kept weightlifting when I was throwing because that's weightlifting is a like Olympic weightlifting, the clean and jerk and the snatch. Those are movements that are used uh, a lot for power development and uh, explosive sports. So when dealing with track and field, I was doing a lot of snatches, a lot of cleans and a lot of jerks, uh, working the explosiveness. So then when I couldn't spend, you know, 20, 30 hours a week out in the ring and in broad daylight throwing, you know, getting a tan, soaking up the sun, I had to work like a, you know, like normal people, uh, when I had to make that transition, I still kept those movements in when I switched over to powerlifting. So I would you know, powerlift three to four days a week, and then I would do some Olympic lifting either before those workouts or um, even choose a whole day and just go crazy for a while with the Olympic lifts. Uh, I even, uh, in the beginning when I first started coaching powerlifters, I was even coaching them to do Olympic lifts beforehand. Yeah. So- but then I realized quickly that, you know, it does take a little bit of extra time and, uh-huh. Not everybody, not everybody wants to
0: do those. Yeah. Um, so this might be something that our listeners can, uh, maybe get into and I'm curious about too. Uh, so powerlifting with a significant other or like lifting, but I'm a huge barbell advocate. So tell me maybe what the beginning stages of kind of getting your wife, uh, to lift a little bit more, to get involved, lifting the barbell, uh, maybe what did the training look like, but what did also maybe the, uh, uh, coaching slash psychological aspect looks like because oh man, you're talking about another. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other
1: ball game there. Oh man, so uh, I, I like I like to you know just like anybody else, like to think that you know sometimes that I'm a special little snowflake and things happen differently in my world. Uh-huh. Um, but when it, when it comes to my wife and I, I feel like it is a little different. Um, simply because I was still trying to train as a track and field thrower, I was trying to to go to USA's and and compete on a bigger stage. And uh, she didn't get that. because She's never done anything competitive. I mean, she, well, she swam like half a year or two years in in high school, but she, even then she's like, you know, she didn't, she didn't have that competitive spirit. She didn't, she didn't quite get it. And so me convincing her to do a powerlifting meet was really just for me saying, hey, uh, I really want you to kind of understand where I'm coming from and, and what this means to me on this aspect. And I think, you know, there's a component to your fitness that will be better. She was heavier in college Then she lost much weight. She was a cardio bunny. She, you know, go in the gym and mm-hmm. she would just jog on the treadmill all day long. And she had all these aches and pains because she wasn't doing any weightlifting. She was just, you know, jogging on the treadmill. And so she had all this knee pain and back pain and shoulder pain. And I said, you, know, you least you need to lift some weights, get a little stronger. Some of that pain will go away and, you know, you'll get some confidence from it. And then. As a byproduct, hopefully you'll understand, you know, where I'm coming from, from the competitive side. Um, and from that, it's worked really well. Um, and, you know, she kind of got it. It took her a couple of and then she she really started to, to, to feel it. She started to want it. She wanted to lift more. She wanted mm-hmm. to do better. Uh, she saw something, you know, w- once you go in there and you lift a weight that you've never lifted before, um, I like to tell people that, you know, you go in there and you do something you've never done before, in that moment, you get that feeling like, hey, in this point in my life, I'm better than I've ever been in some aspect. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a great feeling. And for most of us in athletics, that's kind of what we look for, especially the, the singular athletics. <clears throat> um, you know, like where you're, you're, you're measured on a stage and it's just you. It's not yep. a team sport. Um, and, and so that was really the big thing with her was, you know, you know, it was a way for her to get self-confidence, kind of understand where I, where I was coming from. But on the whole, it was it was you know it was getting her healthy too. But in the beginning, I didn't I didn't realize it was going to be that way. And uh, when I did, that's when I when we, we got back over here, we said, man, we gotta we gotta do something to bring this to other people.
0: Yeah, and, so uh, was,
1: that, that's how Play Charles Powerlifting started.
0: Was she pretty receptive to beginning some resistance training at
1: first? She was receptive on that part. She was extremely uh not when it came to competing though at yeah.
0: first yeah, so um, I've competed in weightlifting, and I want to do a powerlifting meet. I haven't been on the stage or the platform in quite a while, so I want to do one soon. but anyway, I think there's a huge difference between um, just you know uh, competitively doing it and recreationally doing it. And that's for anything. And I guess we're getting more specific into, you know, powerlifting and weightlifting. But um, something that I thought was really, really cool and really unique is uh, I was weightlifting. I did a meet in a super small town in Kansas. And I think there was more masters. So masters meaning older than 35. But in this case, Mm -hmm. I think there was more lifters, male lifters, older than the age of like 50 that were competing in this uh meet than there were guys in my open class so like guys that were not over 35 that were just lifting and so i thought that was super cool like there was i'm you know not kidding there was probably at least five or six guys pushing pretty darn close to 70 Um, but the thing is that just kind of opens the, and that's just guys. So there was a lot of females there too, that were older than probably 50 years old. Anyway, my, my big point is you don't have to be the guy who's going to set a world record just to be, uh, out on the platform with other people and you get a huge perspective. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun uh, to go lift on the platform and to see 12 weeks, 16 weeks of training kind of all, you know come to this one big giant moment and uh, it's a, it's a kind of a feeling or sensation that you don't really get just from training and not to mention, especially if you've got a coach, especially if you've got training partners, things of that nature. Um, so I really encourage, I mean, if any of our li- listeners are people that do this recreationally and haven't uh, competed, sign up for a local meet. I think it's super important and super, super fun uh, to get some of that experience.
1: Oh, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, what's what's really interesting, you know, when I first started out, it was like for powerlifting. You know, my wife was, uh, and she'll—I she, she, don't—I think she'll be okay with me saying this. She's not the most coordinated person, um, and just because she's, you know, she, her her past athletic history was, you know, for the most part, non-existent. Uh, so for her getting into it, you know she never really had any dreams in the beginning of like, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. It was like, at first it was okay. He's talked me into this. I'm going to go do it. And then it became, Hey, this was kind of fun. And then it became, Hey, it'd be cool if I could do this. And, uh, you know, once that sparked, it was, it was a lot different, but, uh, you know, part of it with, with the competing thing, you know, it, it's one thing to do some resistance training or, or, you know, to go in and, and, uh, you know, start CrossFit or start Olympic lifting or, or, you know, even track and field throwing. Um, But, man, the the most fun I think I've had in some competitions, you know, before starting the powerlifting team and and being a part of the CrossFit gym uh, that we own, Uh, you know, I I competed all through college and post-collegiately. And uh, at one point I was looking for some, some more meets to compete at, and I ran into this, I mean, pretty much masters only. So, you know, in track and field it's all 40 and above uh masters only group of throwers you know track and field and uh, they held meets all over austin and so i would drive from houston because that's where i was living at the time the houston area i'd drive with austin and i'd go compete with those guys and they just had fun they threw everything at every event uh, you know none of them really specialized in one thing at a time and uh they just they had so much fun and y'all you know, go to these college meets or these you know where the professionals are at or anything like that and it seemed like everybody was so concerned with doing well, they weren't having that much fun anymore. But these uh, older men and women, you know, all the way up into even there was a guy was throwing the hammer. He was 102 years old. He'd get oh, out, they 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 they'd wheel him into a wheelchair as long as he walk into the ring by himself, wow. was fine. And uh, he would he would turn around, you know, once and and throw out there. They'd measure it, and I mean, these people were having a good time just because they were out there with their buddies, you know, throwing some implements around. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So,
0: when, when, uh, side notes that you bring that up. So, uh, when I was in Cairo school, I led the fitness club on campus. And it was kind of a way that we could get money to buy stuff for the gym. Cause like different clubs on campus were able to be allotted certain amounts of money. Anyway, we started like a uh, Viking Strength Saturdays. And basically, that's what it ended up being. It's like, okay, we've got a group of, eight people here today what do you want to do it and it didn't have to be anything crazy specific it didn't need to be anything um super uh i don't know i i was gonna say super challenging but it was pretty challenging but it's just you know it would be it would be pick this up move it over there Uh, pick that up uh, move it over there Uh, pick this up and don't let it down until someone gets back lifting the other thing they were lifting simple stuff like that, but then being out there with, uh, and this kind of, uh, I think holds true with, uh, the next point is like, I think it's super, super important and very, very beneficial having uh training partners. Um, so this not necessarily for powerlifting or weightlifting, but just going to the gym day in and day out. If you can have somebody that you go there with, and if you can have somebody that kind of helps uh, push you along the way, that's huge. Um, there's going to be days where like you're dragging, you know to get to just to get to the gym not mentioned to get your workout done but your training partner might be you know more high energy
1: that day so you can kind of balance out there but See, um, I, yeah yeah i'm actually I, I i disagree with that to some degree really? uh, but 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 not in the way you not the way you're going to think though okay. um, i don't i don't think one person is enough you, you know you can grab oh, any anybody in yeah. this world you can grab anybody in this world and unless they're your spouse and even then then they might see you too much. They may not want to work out with you. Yeah, uh, you know, They may see you at home or at work or at this and there. They've raised kids with you. They may need time away from you with interaction with other people. Uh, but you could grab anybody, and they're not going to have the same schedule as you. They're not always going to be up whenever you're down. Uh, it, it's, it, it's just not – I don't think it's enough.
0: Um, so, you're, so you're an advocate for a group of, of folks that you might work out with. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, so I'm I'm so I work out a lot by myself right now, and so I'm kind of just like any other person would be like awesome to have around while I'm like going through hell. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, so well, I I, would I, I did that. For, yeah, I'd be an advocate definitely for more than just one other training partner. But sometimes it's hard for someone to have like three people. You know what I mean? So if you can, yeah. To-
1: well, I, I think I think that's why CrossFit has made such a big uh big jump in the last i mean i think that's why it's such a big thing uh that's why powerlifting groups are starting to get big too because the, the people who don't like the conditioning side you just simply refuse to do it because of how difficult it is <laughs> yeah um, and thing it's thing difficult over, i mean your know, reps is cardio oh uh, yeah um <laughs> i'm sure my, my powerlifters when they listen to this they're going to say well you know why do you make us do more than three reps yeah, oh, I just did. I just
0: did tens on front squats today, and I thought I was gonna die.
1: <laughs> oh man! Uh, no, but uh, you know, I, I think that's why CrossFit's such a big thing. Because you know, I, I did the, I did it by myself for years. I did it with one training partner or another, and you lose one training partner based off of you know someone got married or, or someone got a new job or had to move or. You know, just isn't motivated. But when you got a group there, and they're going to be there at a specific time, uh, you know, like that. Like we, we've got, we got about seventy, maybe eighty CrossFitters in our gym now. And let me tell you, they they want to be at the specific class they're going to be at because mm-hmm. they know that you know their their buddies that they that they co compete against sometimes, or that they team up with, they're going to be there. Yeah. Um, and they know we can look around and, and you know I can always look over there and I can see certain guys. Like, oh man, he's he's kicking my butt today. Better not let that happen. Uh, there's something to be said for that. You get motivation. You know, there's a room of 10 other people doing the same thing. just uh, nothing better than that. I hear
0: you. So uh, you mentioned something while you were talking earlier that I wanted to touch on because I'm a big advocate for this, and I'm sure you are. But so you said your wife before was kind of that cardio bunny. Someone would come in, uh, get on the machine or the uh, cardio machines, I'm guessing, and just kind of go to town. Uh, yeah. But she was having aches and pains, so on and so forth. Um, so what I want you to talk about maybe a little bit, if you want to, is the importance of resistance training. So, um, a lot of our programs with strong docs, like even if it's like a weight loss program, Mm it will look like a super beginner, like bodybuilding style workout in the sense that you're doing upper lower body type splits, um, and you're getting resistance training in. Uh, obviously, we add in some cardio and obviously talk about diet stuff. But the thing is, like, we're big, big advocates for doing resistance training and making sure that that is part of your regimen. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and talk about that a little bit if you want.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, whether, it's, whether it's powerlifting or CrossFit, uh, whoever comes in the gym. And, uh, and we have people that, that want to be somewhat competitive in, in either one. And then we got most people that are like, this is just fun for fitness, so this is how I'm going to get fit. Uh, but either way, what I'll tell, you know, depending on the type of person that comes in, and my wife's going to kill me for saying this, uh, <laughs> but when they, when, they, when they come up and they say, hey, uh, you know, I want, I, want, I want to tone up or I want to lose weight or I want to do this, and I'm thinking, well, let's let's break this down a little bit. When you say you want to you tone up or you want to lose weight, what you're really meaning is you want to have more muscle and you want to have less fat. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and then I look at it and I said, so what you're saying is you want to look better naked. Yeah. that's the only thing that matters and every time they'll stop and even the ones that are that are kind of taken back by that they'll stop and they'll think for a second and they'll look at them and go you know what yeah that's that's what i really want that's what i want to look better naked and uh, that that's the easiest way to break it down into and, and, to, and to get them to say hey you know that's that's what i really want and uh from then i say you know then we we've got to get stronger um you got to get more muscle and you got to get less fat so you got to get more muscle by getting stronger building up the parts of your body that, that may have been neglected by lifestyle or just the normal, you know, strains society puts on our body. And then we got to do a, enough to get some of the fat off when we got to, you know, maybe curb the diet down a little bit. Um, and, and they usually respond pretty well to that. Um, and, and without the lifting, like the people just doing cardio, they're going to gonna hold a lot of fat reserves for that. If they're lifting, though, they're going to lose inches a lot faster. And so that's what I really try to stress is the lifting is what's going to, you know, one make them stronger for later on in life. It's going to make them healthier. Uh, Cause nobody is, well, I would say nobody, but most people uh, generally aren't as strong as they should be as a normal living, breathing human being. Yeah. And so that's, that's always got to be number one, because if you, if you're not strong enough, you can't build the endurance without the strength. So you, you have to work on, on both.
0: Yeah. I agree. Um, and I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I've kind of ranted on this and I, I had strong thoughts about this uh, in the years past. But you mentioned people not being as strong as they need to be. I think that's uh, exponentially true when you get into the geriatric population. I mean, when, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. I mean, that can, that can be kind of a touchy subject just because of how, um, society views our elders, like they should be respected and kind of taken care of and, um, be able to now live a life of, I guess, luxury in the sense that they might not have to do as much. But in reality, like if you treat them where they don't have to do X, Y, and Z,
1: I think they're just becoming
0: more and more fragile. I, well,
1: I, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think, I think there's a really good analogy. Um, uh, to that dealing with our, our medical system as a whole um, you know we should respect our elders uh, but our elders should also take care of themselves on the way to becoming an elder yeah um, you know I like to tell people you know when we have people that come in for CrossFit or for powerlifting it's like you know doing a burpee doing a push-up or uh, being able to squat those are things that if you can't do when you're 40 how in the heck are you going to be able to move around when you're 80 Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when we have people come in 50 and 60 and they can't do these things. It's like, hey, we got to regain this movement before before this is an issue. And so, uh, you know, that's that's the number one thing. And when it comes to our healthcare system, it's like, you know, we should respect our elders, you know, just like we should, you know, help provide for those who are, who are in trouble. But at the same time, if you smoke for 60 years and you get <laughs> lung cancer, is it, is it everyone else's uh, job to pay for it? You know, just like if, it, if you end up in that same situation, you know, are, are we supposed to pick up and take up after you if you didn't take care of yourself? I, I think that's, that's a very controversial way of thinking, but uh, I, I think it's it kind of goes into it.
0: Yeah, uh, we talked about this uh, in one of the earlier uh, podcasts. Um, something that is, again, another touchy subject is just falls. And so you mentioned it earlier like if you're four years old and you can't get up and down from the squat. Uh, That's a big deal, and so what? What I tell patients, and every once in a while, I'll have this conversation, and it's sometimes a tough conversation. It's like, if you haven't gotten down to the ground, and because when people, let's say, let's they get to be sixty-five years old, a lot of people have not gotten to the floor and then back up in multiple years, and so now that you're at a higher age, if you were to fall and you haven't gotten up from the floor in, let's say, three years, that becomes a huge challenge, right? And so if you are able to do that on a regular basis, just get up and down from the floor, I mean, that is like could literally be life-saving, just that simple, simple skill of being able to move up
1: and down. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's why I love CrossFit so much because, I mean, anybody can do it, and it, it, it practices skills that you'll need. Uh, later on I mean it goes beyond those skills obviously but i mean you, you need to be able to get up and get out of the chair you need to be able to get up and get up off the floor you know in, in, in any crossfit gym you go to you're going to be doing burpees yeah you're gonna, you know you should be doing squats though I, I found out recently that's not always the case really um, yeah there's there, there there's there's some crossfit gyms that are getting away from the crossfit model and they're more doing like crossfit light like there's no, there's not really any weightlifting. There's no squatting. There's no, uh, no kind of deadlifting. Nothing like that. They're taking essentially taking the functional out of fitness, I guess. Um, uh, local but, to your area or what? Uh, it's it's not it's not primarily a local thing. Uh, that you know, but there's there's a lot of boxes that are a lot of crossfit gyms that are trying to make it more, I guess, more orange theory instead of le- and less. Uh, uh, you know, old school CrossFit where you're actually, you know, doing kettlebell swings. You know, yeah. you're jumping up and down off the box, you're squatting, you're doing stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those things that I think a lot of gyms are doing to try to market to make it seem like it's safer or to make it seem like it's, you know, not as uh, uh, scary or intimidating. Uh, and so that's, that's real disappointing. But for the most part, most CrossFit gyms are going to have you do those things. And thats I think yeah. that's one of the strongest suits of it is, is, you know, getting up and getting down and doing things that are going to, you know, reaching up, putting weight above your head, you know, doing things that are uh, conducive to moving around when you get older. So... Um
0: let's transition a bit to maybe more specifically uh some of the things that you're doing so if you guys ever and we'll mention some of this stuff at the end of the show but following you on like instagram uh and facebook you can see some of the different things you're doing day in and day out in terms of lifting uh what are some of the different principles you follow in terms of let's say powerlifting? Uh, in terms of maybe like progressive overload or uh, variability in the lifts, uh, things like that.
1: Yeah. So uh, the way I program and the way I go about uh, powerlifting is is a little different than than most uh, most people, uh, most coaches. What I'll do is I go off of uh, instead of percentages, we go off of training averages for different lifts, and that way people can. Um, so, like, the same group of people can take a very similar template, you know, with certain exercises changed in and out based upon that person's needs. You know, if they squat with a higher or lower bar position or they deadlift differently or they have a previous uh, low back injury or shoulder injury or something like that, we'll change some of their exercises. But there they're starts off with uh, a similar template, similar rep ranges for most people. And what they'll do is they'll do the same thing for maybe four to six weeks, maybe eight weeks that person has a a very slow responding nervous system. Um, And they'll kind of do the same exercises week to week, but they'll track their progress. And so maybe, you know, for simplification purposes, maybe somebody does their back squats and they have, um, you know, five sets of eight. And say they go, you know, two sets of 200 pounds, a set of 250, and then two sets of 300 pounds. So then their training average is 250. So then the next week when they come back around, the idea is that they need to beat that training average. Uh, for that li- for that specific lift for that specific rep range uh, and that may mean if they come in and they're feeling really terrible, they might take most of their sets right at two fifty and maybe take one set at two fifty five that way they beat that average by a you know one pound I guess uh, or if they're feeling good they may take two of them at two fifty two of them at two seventy five and maybe another at three hundred and then their their training average goes up to you know two seventy so the idea is that if they feel really good on the day or they're the kind of person who likes to push, they have the option to do so. If they're feeling bad on the day, maybe they just got off a double uh, or maybe they just you know, got off nights and didn't sleep at all whatever. And they, they come into the gym, they have the option to kind of hold back uh, intensity wise. That way they can kind of control the day to day periodization intensity wise, but yeah. uh, from the, from the maximum over or for the, Progressive overload overload, principles. Yeah. Progressive overload principles. They'll they'll be able to adhere to that, even if they come in and they're like, "Oh well, this is going to be a rough day, but I'll be able to come in and still hit the training numbers I need to hit." And they're not sitting there at work all day or at school or whatever. We got a lot of college kids too. They're not sitting there thinking, "Oh man, I've got to hit, you know, ninety percent of my max for a four by four today. How am I going to do that? Oh my God!" You know, they're thinking, "You know, man, what 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 top set am I going to have today? How can I do that?" And they come in. Being a little bit more receptive to having a good or a bad day more receptive to the variables instead of being locked into a certain percentage
0: yeah um so do you do you guys use any uh reps and reserve uh, markers or uh rpe at all
1: uh i try to make everything really simple so i guess we do use rpe i don't call it that though i just yeah. tell them hey guys you know how was it between a scale of one and yeah. ten? Yeah. You know, how was it, And uh, that way it makes it simple and everybody kind of understands that. Um, you know, I, I deal with a very wide range of education with different people. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of college kids. I've got a lot of people that are just out of high school. I have a couple of high schoolers. I have people in their, you know, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And it's just, you know, if I if I say, hey, man, what was your RPE? You know, <laughs> not, Most of them don't even care to know what that is. I got I got a handful that they'll ask me questions after training and stuff. But most of them are like, Yeah, man, it was a seven. What do you want me to put on the bar next? I'm like, all right, man, do this. And uh they're they're good to go there.
0: Yeah, so um that so there's definitely some evidence to say that it takes a little bit of time to build up some skill to like developing like being able to tell an RPE. Um I I don't think, think we said what that is. So RPE stands for rate of perceived exertion. Um generally speaking, uh the way it is used in like powerlifting or whatever, uh, for weightlifting, I guess, um, 10 out of 10 would be like the worst like thing ever. Like it's super hard, super tough. You couldn't do any more. Uh, and then it just goes down the scale from there. So like nine would be, it's pretty damn tough, but you could have done maybe a little bit more, eight so on and so forth. Um, so that's kind of what we're talking about if you don't know what that is. So, um, that's another scale that people taught Will sometimes use to try and uh, change up their their programming from week to week or day to day. Uh, if it's really really tough one day, they might back it off the next time they come in and train, so on and so forth. So, um, so that I, I like what you said. So, will you have them do essentially the same uh, progressive overload for that full eight week? like I guess you mentioned a range but
1: I'm just kind of well it it kind of depends on on the lifter you know some people that have a very responsive nervous system it'll take them three to four weeks they'll normalize they'll just destroy it and then they'll have you know a week where it go where everything kind of goes haywire and they feel like Mm. oh man I need another I need a I need a need a change it's getting to me and uh i will have some that like they'll just be able to either they'll they won't make big enough jumps to where it'll force uh you know, a very high stimulation or they'll, they'll drag it out a little bit and then they can, they can usually last a little longer on that same, that same template, but I'll change it based off of their needs. Most of them will, will usually crash and burn about the same time. And, th- and this is more volume to speak. Like when I'm peaking somebody for a competition, it's, it's a little bit different. The rep ranges will change week to week or every two weeks. Um, and there'll be subtle changes in the, in the accessories and things like that. But uh, when doing volume over long periods of time, which is most, most of my guys uh, are on uh, extensive volume training. Cause we're all waiting for bigger meets down the, the end of the year and the beginning of next year. Um, most of my people, I got, I got a big group competing in August and then some more in uh, October. But for the most part, everybody's December. And in uh, Louisiana or Texas? Uh, so mostly Texas, I'm having trouble getting some, um, some meets in Louisiana. So we're, we're, uh, we're going to Beaumont. We're hosting a meet in Beaumont because we can't host one in Lake Charles currently. Um, hosting one in Beaumont. Uh, we're having 16 compete there. We'll probably have about the same compete in October in Houston. I'm in, uh, so I
0: don't think I ever told you, but I'm in Houston right now.
1: Hey, got to come down and see us. Yeah, I'm moving
0: shortly, so I won't be in Houston much longer. But
1: oh, How far are you away from Houston? Uh, we're about three hours, actually. Oh, it's not bad. Yeah, two and a half, depending on what, what side of Houston. But um, it, it's it's about, about two and a half, three hours, depending on where you're going. Like we're our the meat we're doing is in the uh, the woodlands in October. <laughs> that's, that's where. That's right. That's, that's, that's where you're at. Oh yeah, we yeah. go there like two three times a year. I'm not. I won't uh, be there though. In um, October, maybe I'll come day. down. You should come down, hang out, see what it's all about. Um, but yeah, it, when it comes to, when it comes to how long I'm going to keep somebody on a cycle, it really depends on how their body's responding. Um, but for most people, they can hang on for, for four to five weeks at a minimum. Um, but, but once I get to where I've changed once, once they've been on a long volume cycle for a long time, it'll change more often. Like I, I'm to the point, some of them have been on, on volume for so long that I'm having to change it every three weeks to keep up. Uh, because they they they're getting to where their body needs to peak so that way they can have that big up and then they can have that big down right after the big nervous system spike
0: yeah so So, um a lot of our like what you're describing is kind of how our templates work so it's it's 12-week plans uh three four-week blocks where we kind of change the volume and intensity with each block and Overall, we tell people, you know, this is your workout for four weeks and it's the same workout. But within that workout, you should be trying to either add an extra set for the week at similar weight or add uh, weight on the bar or whatever exercise it is. at the end of every single week, that volume has gone up and up and up and up and then they're ready to change and go to the next phase. So, so, yeah, that progressive overload manner. I, I like how you described it because I, I don't know if I've actually ever heard it explained the way you explained it in terms of an average load for the, for the week or for the session. That's pretty
1: cool. Well, well the reason – what made me come up with that is I realized that, you know, before I started training uh, powerlifters or training crossfitters, I, I, I kind of, by happenstance, started coaching a bunch of power lifters. It was just like, first it was my wife and then I started lifting with her and then it was my best friend and then another one of my close friends. And then next thing I know I'm coaching, you know, 15 people and I'm like, Oh man, I got to figure out a system for this. Like this is getting like, this is my hobby and now becoming a second job. And uh, it, it was way, way, uh, way more fun than my original job. But uh, what, what ended up uh, happening is I had to figure out a way to, Uh, programs similarly enough to where as a group everybody could still enjoy each other's company have fun and have training partners because not everybody's there on the same day and this and that but then I also had to make it to where people can still progress Um, and then I also had to compete with you know different people's uh, you know demands of stress on their bodies you know so-and-so's you know planning for a wedding so-and-so's working nights for a month so so-and-so's working their 25th day straight but they're still training and then so-and-so has all the time in the world because you know she's taking 12 hours a semester and and
0: <laughs> it can, can rock, not rock it a joke <laughs> yeah that's the college minimum is like 12 hours to be full-time and that's like a
1: joke yeah oh yeah whatever we are, it's it's funny because I remember when I when I started undergrad I started off like 18 hours is when I started and I was like oh my god I don't know what I'll do with myself and then you know by, by the time chiropractic college is is ending I'm I'm you know I'm trying to figure out in what order what classes I can I can uh, move around uh, and and go study on my own and kind of skip out so I can go find time to you know do my preceptorships and stuff and I'm like man I got I got to get out of here and do this or that and uh, I'm, you I know, I wasn't, you know, not worried about 35 hours anymore where, you know, 15. And yeah. oh my God, so it's my hard.
0: entire, my entire undergrad career, I played football uh, collegiately, but I never took less than like 17 credit hours for the whole four years that I was in undergrad while I was playing football. And it's like, when oh, people man. tell me they take 12 hours, I'm like, what do you like, especially if they don't play a sport, if they tell me they take 12 hours, it's like, what do you do all day?
1: Yeah, unless 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 they're working, I'm like, come on, man. Yeah,
0: that's. I mean, if they're working, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, it's like twelve hours. Like that's nothing. Anyway, um, so let's uh maybe move on to maybe the roundup question. So this might take a little bit, but we'll see how it goes. So, uh, let's go through. If you were to, if you're talking to somebody at your gym, or if someone come up and asked you, you know, what are the top three things that I can do? as i'm trying to improve through let's say barbell sport type things what would you say like one two and three what would you say
1: okay so somebody coming uh comes up to me and wants to improve in a barbell sport i'd say find somebody who knows more than you do and learn from them uh get a coach find somebody who's going to hold you to a standard um, you know, everything we do has standards, uh, you know, whether you're competing, CrossFit, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, uh, track and field, football, there's always some type of standard. There's, there's a line you have to reach. There's a depth you have to reach. There is, uh, you know, a specific way that you're going to have to lock out or pause something. There, your chin's going to have to get over a certain object. There, there's going to be some type of standard that you're going to be held to, and you should be held to that during your practices. And if you're doing it by yourself, it's going to be a lot harder to keep yourself honest, especially if you don't have the uh, if you haven't been doing that well. You're not going to be able to feel the positions well enough to know if you're hitting it or not. I mean, I you know I'm I I would like to say I'm a pretty decent squatter, and I still have people uh, give my give me an up call at meets. You know, I still have my my coaches come up and and yell up for me when I hit when I hit depth. Because um, even at, at the level where I've been doing this for years you know i still need that extra help so uh just real quick what's an up call so people- okay so so yeah so when i when i say an up call i mean you know you have to reach a certain depth in the in the squat for competition and uh, this was true for uh powerlifting or for crossfit so when you reach a certain depth which is your hip your hip crease has to be below the top of your knee so well below a 90 degree knee angle um and so when you get to that point, uh, there's no call for that in competition. So what I'll do is I'll have one of my other coaches stand by. And once I reach that amount of depth, uh, they're going to give me, they're going to yell up. And and that's just so I can know that, Hey, I've reached depth. I can go ahead and, and come up because in, in powerlifting, you have a judge on each side, looking at your depth. They're not going to say whether you hit it or not. Once you complete your <laughs> squat, they're just going to give away, you a better of water. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to just going to say yes or no. And uh, you know, I don't want to take many chances. And, you know, even though I have really great body awareness, um, in the moment I get excited and, and I might not have good enough body awareness, I might have somebody else help me out with that. And if, if I've had, you know, 10 plus years of experience doing this, someone who's just starting out, uh, you know, it, it's going to be really beneficial for them to have at least one person as a coach, maybe someone who's in that gym or who's, they can find online and send their videos to something. Is better than nothing. Uh, if they can get in with a group, that's even better. Because if you have, you know, 15 people in the room that are all staring you down, you know, while you're in there, and that's kind of the reason for our powerlifting group, Lake Charles Powerlifting, is if you're not squatting in depth, you're probably going to have five or six people walk over to you. And they're going to make sure that either you hit depth or you're going to end up on uh, the quarter squat gang uh, Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so that
0: was number one finding the coach or finding somebody
1: who can hold you accountable, uh, what would you say is number two? I'd say I'd, say I'd lump that into one and two. I'd say that, you know, finding a coach and then finding a group. If uh, You can find both that interlock at the same time. That's great. Uh, I, but I think those are two very important things. I think doing it on your own is just – it's so difficult, especially if you don't have the knowledge to know where to go or, or where you're going. Uh, cause it's really easy to get off track and it's really easy to lose your motivation. Um, or, you know, the next one I would say is, uh, don't do too many things at once. I think that's, that's a big trap. Most people fall into, they say, Hey, you know, I want to go try this, this new thing. I want to try powerlifting. I want to try CrossFit. I want to try something. And then they get into it. They get all gung ho cause they're excited. They know they're comfortable. They found the place they want to be. Uh, you know, they know it's a good fit. They love the people. They love the program. They love what they're going to do. Uh, and then the next thing they do, like a week later, you know, they're still so sore. They can barely walk cause they're just starting. And they're like, you know what? Now I want to diet. And it's like, whoa, hold on. You know, you just changed up a very big aspect of your life. and, and you know, just you continuing, this is going to be tough. See it out for six weeks first. And then you, once you've made it six, six to eight weeks, you got a good handle on your, your, you know, your schedule, your new routine, then maybe look at maybe trying to address your diet. But diet is so difficult to, to handle for most people with our society. And you were always go, go, go we're working 40 plus hours a week. You know, it's not always easy to, to get a home cooked meal in. You know, it's, it's too easy <laughs> to go get fast food and, yeah. and to go off the rails there. But you know, you, you get really excited, and then everybody's, hey, you know, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Well, they're like, okay, well, now I'm going to try to diet. It's just, it's just too much. I, I've, I've not seen one person go into a completely new fitness regimen, a difficult one, whether it's you know powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, CrossFit, anything, and then also jump onto a diet at the same time and have success. Um, usually if they jump onto some type of diet plan, like, you know, renaissance periodization or, yeah. or just anything, you know, they're starting to count their macros for the first time or, or anything like that. Even if they do it in the first six months of really drastically changing their fitness lifestyle, it never works out that well. It's just too much. Uh, you know, your body only, yeah. you, you, your mind deals with stresses the same way. So yeah, different stresses the same way. So if you're, if you're, changing up so much you have all only so much willpower and if you're using all your your willpower for this newfound you know fitness journey uh you shouldn't be you know tearing away at that willpower by trying to stuff too many things on top of your plate. So I would say that's that's a, a very important thing. And I guess you know I will I will have a number three. I'll I'll say the number three real, is real quick,
0: real quick. I just want to add on to that point. So that's something that I'm kind of like in the middle of right now. So I'm trying to bulk. I'm trying to add weight, and so for me personally, I want to try and be competitive in the world of CrossFit, Uh, so like when the Open rolls around, right, the thing is like if you don't make regionals or if you don't make the game, the time to like really get like bulky or like really heavy into like your strength training would be like now, but now is like the summer, and, and so like, you're trying to bulk while you're in the summertime, generally like speaking, people want to be lean when, when it's summertime. Anyway. So uh, my point is like, I'm trying to bulk right now, but I kind of go back and forth. Like I see myself in the mirror and it's like, Oh, my abs are starting to fade or, you know, I'm kind of getting a little chunky here or the scale keeps going up a little bit and it's like, Oh man. But you know what? Like I just have to, and it's tough. It's re- it really is tough. Like there's times where I just, I don't eat enough. I've been eating the whole time we've been talking, um, but uh, like, you have to try and just focus for an eight, twelve-ish week period, and this is my goal. And then after that, I know I can do X, Y, and Z. So for me, it's going to be after that eight or twelve week period of me trying to add as much weight as I can. Then I'm going to cut back down, get a little leaner. Uh, things of that nature. And, it, and that's just dieting, right? So we're talking about you yeah. know, not just that, but like same with uh, training, right? So uh, for training, it might be, you know, I'm going to do CrossFit or maybe high intense, you know, interval training for X amount of, of weeks. And you just have to know that the grand scheme of things, you know, you can really uh, be, become very – uh, variable and how you change things up from block to block to block of training and you can
1: eventually get to where you want to go so what well, I, I think the biggest thing there is and it kind of ties into you know kind of number three there I guess is that um everything takes time and uh that that's that's the number one thing people think you know I made this change and I stuck to it for six weeks well, six weeks is not a lot of time. If you've spent 30 years with no exercise, six weeks is nothing. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, six weeks, it, it's, it's great when you get out there and you start your fitness journey. It's great when you get those six weeks in there. And you should celebrate that. But at the same time, compared to the rest of your life, six weeks is not a very long time. And if you look at it, a year is not a very long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they'll, they'll get into it and they'll go, hey, you know, I got into it and I did it for a year, you know, why am I not squatting 300 pounds? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you know, if you're a female and you weigh, you know, 150 pounds, it's going to be tough to squat 300 pounds. You've got to have a really long previous athletic, athletic history yeah. or you're going to have to have just amazing genetics. You know, squatting 300 pounds for a woman of that size is a very difficult thing to do.
0: Well, three hundred uh, is a pretty good number for anybody. I mean, let's let's be honest. Like, oh if yeah, if you are a decent sized uh, human being, three hundred pounds is probably way above your body weight.
1: Oh yeah. So, well, I mean, that's you know, for for uh, you know, three hundred pounds. I, I use that as a as a as kind of a benchmark. So I've yeah. I had a couple a couple girls that are on, on the powerlifting side because you know you squat, bench, deadlift. That's that's what you do. You get really good at those things. And, you know, a lot of my girls, they can get to 200 pounds and then they're like, they start freaking out. Why am I not at 300 pounds yet? And I'm thinking, man, you know, that's only like 10% of the powerlifting population. That's like 1% of the world population squats over 300 pounds. And I know you saw, you know, Shakira Hokum, you know, <laughs> squat 550 or whatever, but, you know, yeah. she's a freaking nature and she's been doing it her whole life. So, yep. um, you know, you, you gotta, you know, it, it's not, not everyone's going to squat 300 pounds and certainly not everyone's going to do it in one year.
0: Yeah. And then I I like to side note that, um, just with some, I guess other people that might be listening, I like to tack that on to the clinical side of things. So a lot of times, you know, we deal with pain, right? So a lot of times people will come to see us with pain. Maybe they've been dealing with it for quite a while, or maybe it's an overuse type injury. Uh, and they see you in, like, one or two visits, and they might start getting frustrated in the sense, like, it's not getting better yet,
1: mm-hmm. or it's
0: not getting substantially better yet, right? So the thing is, like, if you look at the grand scheme of things, uh, like, things might take longer than you, in your mind, anticipate them to initially take right so like oh i can just go get in and like get an injection or get x y and z and i'll be better like like that when in reality especially if it isn't like traumatic and again talking more clinically um things might take a little bit of time to outwork your um I don't know, motor pattern deficiencies, so on and so forth, to eventually overcome um, some things that are eventually ca- like causing some of that pain. And again, like, again, just want to make sure, like, that we're talking kind of clinically here, but that's just one, like, tiny little aspect of it. Because I have patients in the clinic, I'll see them at, like, three visits and after three visits they're like i'm not like i'm not like seeing like crazy improvement or like maybe they're like 30 or 40 percent better it's like it's only been like three visits like that's not very many you know what i mean so it's like yeah
1: anyway. <laughs> well yeah i get I'll, I'll get some that'll come in and you know uh you know say so and so i'm just gonna i'm gonna choose a, a, a not normal uh profession that comes in but let's say you know a truck driver comes in for instance and it's like hey you know, I want you to, I want you to fix up my, my neck pain. It's been hurting for three years straight, but it's really bad now. And so, you know, say I treat that patient. And he walks out of here and he goes, oh, well, that didn't feel any better. And uh, he's like, you know, well, I'm not coming back in because that didn't help. And it's like, man, you, you want me to undo, you know, how many years worth of bad posture and a, and a rough job on your neck versus three years of pain? You're going to give me one shot? Um, and I, I think people treat their fitness that way, too. They go, oh, well, you know, I spent six weeks doing it. And I didn't lose 30 pounds. You know, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, hey, but you ate a Big Mac every day.
0: <laughs> For 20 years, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, I think we're we're getting – is there any other points that you might want to mention at all or anything that you've got on top of your mind that from our conversation that you might want to mention real quick?
1: Yeah, there was one. There was one thing earlier we had talked about. Um, yeah, the benefits of uh, people who aren't necessarily trying to break a world record or anything, but yeah. So let uh, me sure i think
0: off air real quick. So I just want to say this, so everyone kind of gets the context. So uh, I think this is where you're going. So fitness. So especially like competitive fitness. So we're talking people who compete in powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit versus wellness and the, gen- like the general scheme or idea of exercise. Is that kind of where you're going?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You had you, you said something about uh, the benefit of people competing, even though they're not trying to break uh, a world record in, in one thing or the other. And I, and I think, you know, much like what I was talking about the group earlier, I think competition uh, really drives fitness. And uh, whether that's competition in, in yourself or in, you know, going to a meet and, and doing something in front of other people, I think, you know, you, you might not be going there to win a powerlifting meet or to win a CrossFit competition. I mean, I, I, I did a CrossFit competition last year. And uh, let me tell you, those those people can work. Uh, I, I, got it, I got my butt handed to me uh, pretty badly. Probably the worst loss in any kind of competition I've had. Uh, in, in my adult life, it was it was it was rough.
0: Real quick, um, um, I just want to mention uh, because I don't think we had said this before, but it's in your quick little bio. Uh, maybe like body weight and some of the numbers for powerlifting and weightlifting that you've hit, but so people have an idea of like where you're coming from there.
1: Okay, so so uh, from an Olympic lifting standpoint, I've hit a 250 pound snatch and a 328 pound clean and jerk. Uh, I've squatted 700 pounds in sleeves. I've benched 419, uh, and I've deadlifted 661 or 661 pounds. Uh, so I'm I'm a lot stronger than the average CrossFitter. Uh, and then what, like what?
0: What body weight do you typically like compete at? Uh, 220, about about 220. 220 pounds. So that's like way. He- I mean, I'm trying to say any slights or anything. That's way heavier than your typical CrossFitter.
1: Oh, yeah. No, your, your, your typical competitive CrossFitter for a male is going to be around maybe 190 to 200 pounds. You might have an outlier around 210, but most of them are you know, 180, 190 pounds. I would say um, even lighter
0: because I'm like 200, and I feel like I'm one of the bigger guys out there. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
1: Dang. Yeah. Man. Shoot. Well, I'm, just a, I'm just a bigger guy. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, at, at, at that competition, I went to that CrossFit competition, and, man, it was fun. I had a lot of fun out there, even though, yeah, you know, I knew I had no chance of winning. Um, but, I mean, I got my butt handed to me. And it was a great time. Um, but, I, you know, I think, I think there's something to be said about putting it out there. You know, whether you have a chance to, to win it all or not, I think putting, you know, I learned so much about my capacity, you know, and, and my work capacity in terms of when, I, how, when I'm tired, how much can I work? What can I do when I'm tired? Or, uh, you know, maybe I, I found out that during a CrossFit class, I don't push as hard as I can. There's another level there. There's maybe two or three levels there that I'm not getting to because I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm tired today. But, you know, you go out there on that, that floor and you're being judged and you, you've got a partner and you're, you're doing things like that. Uh, it, it's, it's a whole nother ball game, and I, and I think that's important to, to kind of be tested and held to a standard, even if, uh, even if more so for one day, um, even if that's not something that you, you know, want to go do that often. You, know, you can do a CrossFit competition if you're doing CrossFit. You can do a powerlifting competition if you're doing powerlifting. Uh, if you're training in that way, you can jump into one of those competitions, much like you can jump into a 5K if you've been running. Um, and, and I think it's important to do so. Um, I think in the 90s and early 2000s, people did that uh, with running often. It was one of those things people – everybody got into running because it was like, oh, okay, I'll go run to get into shape, and they'll go do a 5K on the weekend. They're, they've, Oh, man. This is great. I got such a runner's high from this. I didn't realize I could run that fast. It was fun with this group. I did this. You know, there's a, you know, I, I got ranked among these people and it's great. And uh, I, I think people getting into to, to CrossFit and now into powerlifting uh, and Olympic weightlifting as well, there's been a big explosion because of CrossFit getting so many people's hands on a barbell. Uh, now people are going to do all these competitions. And I think it's big. You know, not everybody that trains, uh, in, in my gym for or powerlifting is looking to be a competitive powerlifter or a competitive crossfitter. Of course, they want to be as good as they can be. And of course, if anybody had the chance to be the best in the world, they would take it. But, you know, going in and, and, and pushing your body to a point where you can do something you've never done before, or maybe you never thought was possible, that, that does a lot for someone's self-worth mm-hmm. and confidence. And it makes mm-hmm. fitness a whole lot more fun.
0: Yeah, when you pull a, a you know I can attest to this from the weightlifting side of things when you pull a PR on the platform that's uh a pretty big deal, you know.
1: Oh yeah, you yeah. You, you get chills all over, you get excited, you celebrate it, it really man just it just
0: it pumps you up to get the next one, right?
1: Oh yeah, you just you just feel great. You, you yeah. feel unstoppable in the moment. It it's, it's you can't get that feeling all the time, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) so let's go ahead and round this thing up. We might have to do another one or two uh, episodes with you because I think this is a really great chat and I think there's a lot of really good points uh, that you made. And so, uh, where can people find you? Uh, tell us your different handles on social media and so on.
1: All right. So, uh, we, uh, we have a website with, uh, Charles uh lake charles powerlifting and uh haney chiropractic and strength it's probably easiest to you know google lake charles uh, sorry crossfit lake charles or lake charles powerlifting our website will come up it has all three it's all set up uh together uh we do have facebook and instagram for all of them and all the handles are just the names crossfit lake charles lake charles powerlifting haney chiropractic and strength um if you're in the area we do we have crossfit we have uh, one-on-one personal training. We obviously have our uh, chiropractic side, where we, uh, you know, primarily we adjust and do soft tissue modalities and things like that. Um, we also do. Uh, we take remote clients for powerlifting and and for general uh, strength conditioning, fitness. Um, right now, our CrossFit side has about we have about eighty CrossFitters, about seventy powerlifters, and twenty of which are remote. You know, we have some in Houston, we have some in. Uh, different parts of Mississippi and Kentucky and uh, just kind of all over Um, I even have a, um, I even had a couple guys that are that were stationed uh, uh, in different places around the world military guys that were uh, they'd get these iPhones on base and they'd send stuff back and forth and I'd coach them via uh, you know uh, iMessage and things like that so this technology has made it really interesting where you can get information out there and you know much like the podcast you can actually get out there and send videos back and forth and uh that's pretty much what we do there awesome
0: so uh if anyone's in the lake charles louisiana area please go ahead and look these guys up whether you need uh, relief from pain or if you're looking to try and improve strength and conditioning and if anyone's listening who wants maybe some remote specific powerlifting. Uh, coaching uh, Frederick Annie, I would say he's uh, top notch so uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and it's been really really awesome to have you on the show and like I said we'll have have you back uh, for another probably one or two or more episodes because this has been great so
1: awesome anytime
0: yeah appreciate you for having me yeah so uh, anyway uh, if you guys can like us review us leave us five stars and share this podcast with your friends thanks and take care